When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Happy Tuesday as we inch one day closer uh, to the weekend. This is the day after Monday. Some people call it Tuesday. I call it an excuse to have a great and awesome show. And boy, do we have one planned for you today. Uh, we're going to start a fire about Art Browse and Hugh Jackson and Grambling State University and Doug Williams, the uh, first black quarterback ever to win a Super Bowl and a Grambling star, and Kobe Bryant. I'm going to tie all that together in a fire that will start about Art Browse, who uh, put in his resignation four days after getting the Grambling job. So we'll get into that. Uh, and then we'll pivot and bring in uh, Steve Kim to talk some NFL football and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray uh, is, I don't know, according to Mike Lombardi, the NFL expert, he's basically bribing. It's a blackmail letter that his agent, Eric Burkhart, put out uh, to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we'll discuss that with Steve Kim. We'll also discuss uh, with Steve Kim the undefeated changed its name to Anscape. Uh, <laughs> the undefeated is a website uh, that I helped found at ESPN. I actually came up with the name the undefeated. It was to honor Maya Angelou and a quote that she had. Uh, now it's called Anscape. It's a Anscaping company. Or I mean, sorry, it's a website that's had a basically a sex change operation. Uh, it's anyway, we'll get into that with Steve Kim. I, I want to save that take. Obviously, I have a take on that. Uh, and then the great Delano Squires will be here. Uh, he's written a column making some great points about the different what would happen if America was attacked the way the Ukraine has been attacked. And how would would we react as strongly as masculine as patriotically as the people in Ukraine have. Uh, Delano doesn't think so. Uh, we'll get into that with uh, Delano Squires. And then, of course, Uncle Jimmy will be here uh, with his approval rating for the show and uh, for the show and for uh, Kyler Murray. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. <clears throat> but first, it's time for me to fan some flames and start a fire and uh, get this show rolling. Uh, I hope you guys are prepared. Uh, Art Browse is worthy of redemption. The redemption the sports world afforded Kobe Bryant. You can make an argument that the former Baylor head football coach is more worthy of grace and mercy than the former NBA legend. But it appears the 66-year-old offensive guru won't get a shot at redemption. 
yesterday, just four days after taking the offensive coordinator job at Grambling State University, and only hours after the school's head coach, Hugh Jackson, released a strong statement in support of Browse, Browse resigned. He said he doesn't want to be a distraction. The school's biggest star, former NFL quarterback Doug Williams, said he did not support Browse's hire. Corporate media and blue check social media influencers also did not support Browse's hire. A USA Today columnist Dan Wolken labeled Browse forever radioactive. Seems odd. Browse's alleged crime is not nearly as reprehensible as the alleged misdeeds of countless football players who get second and third chances. From Cincinnati Bengals running back Joe Mixon to former NFL quarterback Michael Vick, all the way down to former Cowboys defensive end Greg Hardy, I have passionately defended their rights to resume work and redeem themselves. That's America, the land of opportunity. Our country and our sports culture allowed Kobe Bryant to ascend today to a deity. Both Browse and Bryant were entangled in high-profile sexual assault scandals. In July of 2003, a teenage hotel clerk accused Bryant of rape. She later refused to testify in a criminal case. Bryant reached a financial settlement with his accuser in a civil case. He publicly apologized for the incident while maintaining his innocence. I'm gonna read from Kobe's statement back then. First, I wanna apologize directly to the young woman involved in this incident. I wanna apologize to her for my behavior that night and for the consequences she has suffered in the past year. I also wanna make it clear that I do not question the motives of this young woman. Although I truly believe this encounter between us was consensual, I recognize now that she did not and does not view this incident the same way I did." End quote. Other than Michael Jordan, Bryant is the most revered basketball player of the last 40 years, surpassing Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and LeBron James. In terms of worship, Bryant eclipses Jordan. It is high risk to publicly criticize Bryant and or discuss the rape allegation that momentarily stained his reputation. The rapper Snoop Dogg threatened Oprah Winfrey's best friend, Gail King, for asking an interview subject about Bryant's alleged sexual assault. Bryant is treated as a deity. Art Browse is treated as a pariah. In 2015, Baylor fired Brown Browse over a law after a law firm, Pepper Hamilton, the school hired, issued an oral report that revealed more than 100 campus-wide rape allegations. Five of the allegations involved Baylor football players. Browse did not sexually assault anyone. He recruited a handful of players who, like Bryant, were accused of rape. Most people who have examined the case closely, including yours truly, believe Browse and his black football players were used as scapegoats to cover up a campus-wide problem at the private Baptist University. Baylor had failed to adopt federal laws and guidelines to protect student safety. The Pepper Hamilton report put the entire university in the crosshairs. That's why the report was delivered orally no written record to be subpoenaed later. The school's Board of Regents then took the additional step of hiring a San Francisco public relations firm, J. 
J.G. Bunny that promises to change the narrative. When administrators realized that Browse and his supporters would not disappear quietly, Browse filed a wrongful termination lawsuit, the public relations firm worked with a Wall Street Journal reporter to escalate the allegations against Browse and his football program. With virtually no evidence, the Journal reported that Pepper Hamilton really discovered 17 allegations of sexual misconduct against Baylor football players. America's football-hating sports journalists slash tweeters surmised that canceling and further vilifying Art Browse were the best ways to clean up football's toxic masculine culture. And Baylor was able to pretend that once it rid itself of Browse, it had taken a major step in reducing sexual violence. According to court documents, Baylor's former athletics director, Ian McCall, stated the school used Browse and black football players to cover up a problem that existed on the school's campus for decades. But we all know that football is the catalyst for rape and other forms of sexual assault on college campuses. It's not the prevalence of drugs and alcohol. It's not the hypersexualized music played at social gatherings. It's not the normalizing of sexual promiscuity and pornography. It's not the secularized values promoted on college campuses. It's football and men like Art Browse. Everybody knows it. If Browse is allowed to call plays at Grambling State, sexual assault cases will jump three to 5% in year one and another 2% in year two. The narrative changing San Francisco public relations firm's J.G. Bunny did its job. It summoned a social media lynch mob and strung up Art Browse. I have a great deal of respect for Doug Williams. He's a good man. I wish he had done some basic homework before using his his influence to undermine Browse and Hugh Jackson. Williams admitted he doesn't know Art Browse and has never talked with him. Williams apparently accepted the corporate and social media narrative about Browse. It's not accurate. No different from the people who claim the media narrative about Kobe's Colorado encounter is inaccurate. I don't pretend to know the whole truth about Bryant or Browse. I just know they're both worthy of a shot at redemption. Browse might be more worthy. His parents died in a car accident when he was in college. Kobe is the son of a former professional basketball player. Kobe was an elite global citizen long before it became popular. Whatever, the standard can't be that talented black athletes accused of and or convicted of crimes get to resume their careers and super talented white coaches must be removed from society. Eric Bieniemy, everyone's favorite black NFL assistant coach, has several female-related criminal allegations in his past. That has not stopped one member of the media from saying NFL owners are racist for failing to promote him to a head coach. Doug Williams and everyone else should rethink their position on Art Browse. At some point, the standard we apply to Browse will be applied to us. Mm, That's my fire. Uh, 
I have a bit more to say on this issue because most of the people leading the conversation about this issue with Art Browse, they're completely uninformed. They've done no homework. They have no idea what Baylor actually did. All they know is they read some headline and social media says Art Browse is one of the worst coaches on the planet. And oh my God, he was actually holding down women and, and while his players raped them. And so I'm gonna give you a sample of the type of thing you'll hear in corporate media, across social media, everybody vilifying Art Browse that has done virtually no homework on the situation. Uh, I'm gonna use Stephen A. Smith as Exhibit A. But no matter which direction you look in, Acho, it comes right back to Hugh. How in God's name could you make this call at an HBCU after the battles you've been known to fight as recently as two weeks earlier on national television, on SportsCenter, lamenting the lack of opportunities for black coaches? You get it. And this is what you do. There is no getting around that. And Hugh Jackson, I don't want anybody to think that he is anything less than a good man just because you're stubborn or hard-headed or truculent because you believe what you're doing is right doesn't make you a bad person by any stretch of the imagination. But to make this decision, it will live in infamy that Hugh Jackson made this call. And so I know some of you, as you listen to my fire starter and opening monologue, were like, man, Whitlock is racializing this conversation. Kobe Bryant, Art Browse, is there a double standard, blah, blah, blah. And we just heard Stephen A. Smith play the race card that Hugh Jackson how dare he make this decision at an HBCU to give a white coach an opportunity? Now, again, we, and like, how dare you do this at an HBCU? How dare you give kids at Grambling an opportunity to play for, with, be developed by one of the greatest offensive coaches we've ever seen in college football. How dare Hugh Jackson give his kids at Grambling the same opportunity that Baylor gave their kids at, at Baylor to play for one of the greatest offensive minds in the history of amateur football. Baylor did it, and Robert Griffin III won a Heisman Trophy and became a first-round NFL draft pick. Baylor did it and became a national powerhouse, a school that was a laughingstock. Art Browse built into a national powerhouse, a nationally ranked team with a quarterback capable of winning the Heisman Trophy. How dare 
Hugh Jackson give the kids at Grambling that opportunity? That's a betrayal like we've never seen. Hugh Jackson at Grambling should make every decision based on race. It shouldn't be about giving the kids the best opportunity. There's a rare scenario where one of the greatest offensive minds in the history of college football is available and Hugh Jackson tried to exploit it and tried to take advantage of it. He's competing with Deion Sanders. HBCU football is taking off like a rocket ship and he just tried to put some rocket fuel on his program with a 66-year-old coach. And how dare he? And this decision will live in infamy. How dare he not hire a black coach? I w play that mindset out. So should Nick Saban, how dare you hire a black man when you had an opportunity to put a white coach in there? I mean, is this, again, the inconsistency in logic is mind blowing to me. The acceptance and the promotion of an obvious racial double standard is mind blowing to me. HBCUs should just hire black coaches. White universities should be required to embrace diversity, inclusion, and equity. They must hire female coaches, they must hire transgender coaches, they must hire gay coaches, and they damn sure better hire black coaches. That's what white universities should do. Again, <laughs> this decision making and this what what Doug Williams and, and, and I, I got to be careful because not only do I I know everyone involved in this scenario, I like and respect everyone involved in this scenario. And people have heard me criticize Hugh Jackson. I used to call him hubris, but I desperately want him to be successful at Grambling State. I love the energy that Deion Sanders has brought to HBCU football, and I want to see that momentum continue. I want Hugh to have success. I want Deion to have success. I want Grambling to be relevant and powerful again. And Art Browse gave them that opportunity, and anybody that goes and looks at the case with Art Browse, it's bogus. It's BS. He was scapegoated so that the entire university could escape responsibility for their incompetence and irresponsibility. They hadn't been following federal guidelines. They had a campus-wide problem. They used the stupid media, oh, it's the football program. Art Browse has set up a culture that's infected the entire campus. If we get rid of Art Browse, everything's fixed. 
The kids at Baylor won't have sex anymore. The kids at Baylor won't have, there will be no sexual assault, no domestic violence if we just get rid of Art Browse. It's a joke. And anybody involved in sports and anybody that cares anything about football should be outraged the way they have tried to scapegoat football and football players for a problem that's prevalent across the entire campus. There are rules set up for women entering fraternity houses on college campuses. Don't go alone. Never go to the bathroom alone. Always have a friend with you. And it's to protect them from getting raped. And I'm sorry, and I don't want to, I want to be careful. I don't want to be offensive to anybody, but on these major campuses, the fraternity houses, 99.9% of them are white. And Baylor just used a, a handful of black football players five years ago when they did this, five, used a handful of black football players and Art Browse to cover up the, the, the irresponsible criminal behavior, uh, the malfeasance going on across campus at fraternity houses and, and the alleged woke sports media the alleged social justice warriors that are just out, look, out looking out for the best interest of black athletes, the people that are down for the cause. They just black, oh, they just so black. Completely ignored what Baylor did. Scapegoated black football players for a campus-wide problem that is primarily inside the white fraternity houses on those campuses. But y'all good with that. How dare Hugh Jackson hire Art Browse? That will live in infamy. The level of stupidity by the people installed installed as the front faces of these corporate media outlets. There's like an IQ test that you must fail in order to get the job. If your IQ is over 80, you're not qualified to be a front-facing member of corporate media. Either that or you must have no moral standing, you must have no integrity, and anybody gives you a check, you're gonna say what you're told to say. Most of these people shouldn't touch this Art Brow situation, because, and they should admit, I haven't done the homework, I don't know what happened at Baylor, uh, you know, I wish Art Brow's well. But because, or they should apply the same standard that they did to Kobe Bryant because, oh, Kobe Bryant, they investigated that and got informed on that to the nth degree so they could defend Kobe and, and, and slander 
belittle, diminish his accuser and claim, oh, it's racism and they only stringing Kobe up. I'm, and look, I was critical of Kobe then. I was critical of Kobe throughout his playing career. I liked Kobe post his playing career and talked about that. And it was a tragedy when Kobe died. And I get why people hit this Mamba mentality and how hard he uh, played and competed. I get why that is celebrated. But the fact that we overlooked that this man apologized, gave his wife a $5 million ring trying to make up for his own admitted misbehavior with a teenage hotel clerk. That can all be forgiven and wiped away. Kobe's a, a deity. And how dare anybody uh, question anything about Kobe and Snoop Dogg will put the crips on you, Gail King, if you question it. Uh, before I go to, uh, TJ Mo, cause I went a little longer here than I anticipated. Uh, I'm going to tell you about my good friends at Good Ranches. It's hard to buy American sometimes just to try to find a U.S. made television or pair of sneakers. It shouldn't have to be that way with food though. And the vast majority of the meats that are sold online and in your local grocery stores comes from foreign sources too. Not with Good Ranchers. They have the best quality grass-fed and grain-finished beef, organic chicken and seafood you can find anywhere. And, all, and it all comes from farms right here in the good old US of A. American meat from hardworking American ranchers. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com slash Fearless today to have delicious American meals on your table. Order now with the code Fearless to get $25 off your box. Now is the time to support American farms and ranchers. They're hurting and you're hungry. Solve both of those problems with a box of American meat. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Fearless. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. If you're a fearless soldier, you need to be eating Good Ranchers meat. TJ Moe. Erks. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's roll out to the Show Me State, St. Louis, Missouri, and bring in T.J. Moe, former Mizzou uh, wide receiver, a, a true member of the Fearless Army. Uh, T.J., I'm, I'm sure you have some thoughts on Art Browse and Baylor. Uh, let's start with, did Art Browse get a raw deal here at Grambling here? Well, if he did, he did it to himself. Um, uh, you know, he did not give us an opportunity to even fight for him. And that that frustrates me. I, I don't know if Doug Williams forced him out or not. He should give us an opportunity to fight that battle and make Doug Williams stand up and say why he wanted him out without doing any of his own research after admitting he didn't do any of his own research. So, you know, you and I, we had been going back and forth over the weekend about uh likely defending our Bryles didn't get to it yesterday. We were preparing to do that. And there are some, there are some good arguments to defending him. I'm going to defend him now reluctantly because I think he took the coward's way out. He didn't want to take the criticism. So he resigned. Um, 
Hugh Jackson, mm. as you well, let me, hold, hold for one second. Hold for one second. Hold for one second, TJ. Coward's way out. He didn't want to fight, so he resigned. You don't buy that he realized, like, man, this whole thing, all they're going to do is be talking about me, not the kids, not Hugh. Uh, there's, all the, there's this internal riff that I'm creating at Grambling. Doug Williams is Grambling's most famous alum and a power alum. And so, and Art Brow showing up there is dividing Doug Williams and I believe uh, James Harris, the, the other Grambling great quarterback who was before Doug Williams, but a powerful alum there and still alive and works in the NFL, that, that Browse is sitting there thinking, I'm causing a major rift in the Grambling family. Let me step away. You, you don't think there's any honor in that? None. Not at all. Because it wasn't your decision to make. Hugh Jackson put his neck out on the line and said, I want you, I need you here. If we're going to succeed and these kids deserve your level of expertise, then I want you here on my staff. And instead, he abandoned him. I don't see any honor in that. Just a few hours earlier, as you pointed out, Hugh Jackson went out again and defended him. And then he said, Hugh, I appreciate it, but thanks, but no thanks. I think if someone is willing to go out of their, their way to stick their neck on the line for you, you, are, you then have the duty to go out and fight with them. And so you left Hugh out on an island. Hell, he left you and me out on an island. We were going to stick our necks out there and our reputations to go do it. Not that we matter, but Hugh Jackson. Now you've got idiots like Stephen A. Smith who are invoking the same language we use for, to describe Pearl Harbor as something that will happen now for the four-day tenure of our Bryles at Grambling State. Okay, and so Hugh Jackson, as a guy who's trying to rebuild his football reputation after his failure in Cleveland, he now is a guy who went out to go do something about it and you've abandoned him. And so I don't I don't see any honor in that. I see honor in fighting and standing up for truth and sanity. And and he didn't even give us time to load our guns. You know, there, there was a time in the battle where you are going to be the person, you pointed this out in your monologue, we are all, if we have any relevance at all, we are all going to be the target of cancel culture at some point. And there are people like you and I who will stand up and fight with them to fight against that. But you have to be willing to take five seconds worth of bullets while the rest of us load our guns. And if you can't even handle that, then you're not worth fighting for. And it's like we didn't even it was a weekend, man. And it was a weekend during a war in Ukraine. If there was ever a time where he was going to avoid large scale criticism, it was this weekend and he couldn't even handle that. TJ, only thing this guy has been in this war since 2015. It's been seven years of having his reputation assaulted anytime he takes a job. And so if at 66, and again, the stress that puts on him, his family, his wife, kids, wh whatever, again, he's been in this fight for seven years. Don't, don't you know, we, you, me, you, were about to join the war now, uh, seven years down the line. And, and again, I, I've been aware of, what the malfeasance and how wrong Baylor did him for about a year, year and a half. When I was at OutKick, I, I, I helped write a story that, you know, tried to argue and put things in the proper perspective. But 
He's been in this war for seven years. This isn't the first job where the media has come for him and where you know prominent people like a Doug Williams uh, have gone after him without knowing his story, without having talked to him. I mean, can we, can you, no mercy, no sympathy for a guy that, you know, a, 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 a outspoken Christian uh, who, who's been, had his reputation totally annihilated. The guy is treated like a pariah and he didn't touch one woman. Mm. And, and so no sympathy? No sympathy because the, the proper answer to your reputation being inexplicably and wrongfully tarnished is not to lay down and go somewhere else so it stays that way forever. It is a fight for your last name. His son, Kendall, right now, even, you know, Barry Odom, when he was at Mizzou, wanted to hire, wanted to hire Kendall Bryles, and he couldn't because of his last name, Bryles. That's real stuff. It's like, it, it, seriously, at one point, they're like, he probably just needs to change his name. It's too toxic. I mean, think about that. So do you want to be the guy who fights for your name, or do you want to say, hey, sorry, too much distraction, even though Hugh Jackson went out and put his name on the line to hire him and give him an opportunity. And so uh, to me, again, we, we needed an opportunity to unpack, as you have done over the last year and a half, at figuring out what, what happened, to unpack what exactly went on. And so, and, and try to make some some logical conclusions here. You know, it's I know people at Baylor. I've known, I've, I played against Baylor. I played against Art Bryles. Um, I have known people who went to school there, uh, players and people who worked in the athletic department. To a man, every last one of them think he was railroaded. There's something to that. So when you get that, you say, okay, let's look a little further. Is anybody else suffering these same consequences that Art Bryles is? No one. Not a single person who is involved. And so you have Ken Starr, who was the president and, and chancellor. They said, well, you can't be president anymore, but you can stick around as chancellor. They never fired him for that. By the way, he's doing just fine. He was representing President Trump in his first impeachment trials. You know, you go on. Uh, Ian McCall was the AD there. They never fired him. He's the AD now at Liberty University, a Christian university. You know, Kendall Bryles, as I just pointed out, it's not been good with his last name, but he's still here. He's still he's the OC at Arkansas. The defensive coordinator is at North Texas now. He, the only person that they've deemed untouchable, including the people above him in the hierarchy, the athletic uh, director, chancellor, president, they all have jobs and they're fine. And so you look and say, well, let's look a little deeper then. And why was he blamed in the first place? And, and we don't really have time to unpack this today. But at some point, Jason, you and I should have a serious discussion about the role of a football coach in legal allegations and what their expectations are. Because what the, the issue that I see is the expectation of the discipline that is handed down to players who are only accused of crime and were not proven guilty of a crime. And that's what the basis of this entire thing is. And so the, we, we're living in this world where the official stance of college athletics is believe all women. It is idiotic, illogical, it makes no sense. Innocent until proven guilty is the smart, logical stance. Provide evidence for your accusation is the smart, logical expectation. So, by the way, that's the official stance of the United States of America. We've done pretty well with that. But we expect guys like Art Bryles, who are not qualified to investigate anything. Hell, most of these football coaches don't keep their job for three to four years in college. And they are qualified for that. So we say, hey, Art, I want you to suspend your players, turn your lives 
and football program upside down based only on the word of what I just said. And I need you to do it because I'm oftentimes unwilling to go to the police or provide any evidence. And so, you know, we again, I, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the, the Title IX stuff, everything that goes in there. I know, you know, we're in a place where we have these crazy expectations that are idiotic and extremely unfair to kids who only get four years to play college football. You can completely wreck their entire athletic life with one claim. That's it. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. It only matters that you said it. And we expect everybody to act as though it's true. And so we, we have come to a place uh, where you are guilty until proven innocent. That is not the American way. Why is it more virtuous to punish an innocent man immediately than delay punishment of a guilty man until his guilt is proven? That's a serious question we need to ask ourselves. And so this nonsensical expectation of, of Bryles is why he's such a villain in the first place. We need a chance to unpack that. And by resigning four days after you get that opportunity and somebody else is willing to stick their neck out to give it to you, doesn't give us a chance to have that conversation. TJ, you've given me much to think about. I'm going to let you go while I think about it. <laughs> Great job. Uh, that was TJ Moe. Let me tell you about uh, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko and the Z-Stack. With all the disinformation about COVID, it's easy to start to think it's no longer a threat. But every one of us knows someone who has gotten seriously ill during this pandemic. The best way to fight COVID is to plan ahead. That's why you need to take Z-Stack the supplement specifically formulated to prevent and fight COVID. Z-Stack has helped me personally in my battle against the Omicron variant. It was created by Dr. Vladimir Zelenko and contains zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, and vitamin D. All of these combine to give your immune system the special boost it needs to fight this virus off. Z-Stack is kosher and GMP certified, but most importantly, it's produced right here in the good old US of A. Now is the time for you to start taking back control of your health and the health of your family. Go to ZStackLife.com fearless and enter the promo code fearless to get 5% off your first order. That's ZStackLife.com fearless, promo code Fearless. You guys know I love Dr. Z, and I do take the Z stack. I take it virtually every day. Took it today. All right, the Korean Cosell. Nerds. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's, we're going to change up, change topics, uh, talk a little bit about Arizona Cardinals, uh, quarterback Kyler Murray, uh, who's doing some interesting things, uh, seems to want a new contract and seems to be going about getting that new contract in a very public, uh, tension bringing away. Uh, it started out with Kyler removing all of the Arizona Star Cardinals stuff from his social media pages. And then uh, here in recent days, it turned into uh, his agent, Eric Burkhart, I guess feeding Adam Schefter at ESPN a letter uh, that, you know, is written in all caps 
Some of the sentences are bolded. It has a basically a list of demands. It, it, it tries to put a positive tone on it. But at the end of the day, it's a ransom letter. It's a ransom note. And if these demands aren't met, they're going to have a problem with Kyler Murray. Uh, none of this uh, really shocks me because Kyler Murray has always had that baseball option. And Kyler Murray's dad, Kevin Murray, is uh, a behind-the-scenes LeVar Ball. And, you know, LeVar Ball is out front and puts his cards out on the table. This is who I am. This is what I want. I'm going to speak it into existence. Kyler Murray's dad is more behind-the-scenes, which perhaps is a bit more dangerous and will lead to things like uh, the letter this agent has put out. Uh, stating all these demands, but you know there was a story uh, first published by ESPN, I think, saying that people within the Cardinals organization believe this kid is self-centered, uh, doesn't like to be held accountable, uh, doesn't connect real well with his teammates, and kind of points fingers, and and. People didn't know what to think when that report came out. Well, now uh, Larry Fitzgerald's dad, Larry Fitzgerald Sr., uh, someone I know uh, well. He's a media member in Minnesota. And again, Larry Fitzgerald, the wide receiver, played in Arizona, played a year or two with Kyler Murray. Didn't play this past year, but Big Larry, uh, during an interview, said that uh, Kyler Murray is spoiled and he's never been humbled. <laughs> Arizona, I think we have a problem. Uh, Steve Kim, and, and do we have the Michael Lombardi tweet? Uh, and, and, you know, I need to, Michael Lombardi uh, has been pretty critical of uh, Kyler Murray in, in this instance. Let me, let me hunt down while we bring in Steve Kim. Steve. Uh, I'm going to let you uh, give your initial take on how do you think this plays out uh, with the Arizona, Kyler, uh, Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Uh, Murray seems to be playing some real hardball. He wants $40 million a year like some of the other quarterbacks. He's never won a playoff game so far, and he hasn't looked good at the end of the season. He's, he's always faded the second half of the season and uh, comes out strong, <laughs> looks awesome, and then fades. I've never liked him because he's a short quarterback. I just have a bias against short quarterbacks. But anyway, your take on Kyler Murray and where this thing goes from here. Well, Jason, you beat me to the punch there because at the end of the year, last several seasons, he has come up short, literally and figuratively. But this is petulant <laughs> behavior. I mean, this is something I'd ex I expect out of today's boxers, or scrubbing your social media or unfollowing the team. Look, I truly believe that the franchise quarterback or any starting quarterback has to be different than any other position. If you want to act like a wide receiver or a cornerback or a nose guard, go ahead. But when it comes to being the franchise quarterback, uh, I believe your behavior has to be different. And I want to go on the record. I want to nip this in the bud. I, I was not a big fan of the way Aaron Rodgers and he handled his relationship the last year or two with the Green Bay Packers. 
going back to Kyler Murray, here's the problem. I heard that he has an issue with him shouldering the blame for that playoff loss where they got blown out by the Rams. Kyler, wake up. Anytime a team loses a playoff game and gets blown out, they're not blaming the left guard. They're not blaming the strong safety. <laughs> but this is childish, petulant behavior. Uh, and honestly, here's the thing. Even if Kyler Murray comes to his senses and say, okay, you know what? I'm not going to play baseball. I'm going to stick with the National Football League. You have to think if that organization has any guts with Steve, not Kim, but Kime, and their coach, the guy from Texas Tech that runs all that fancy stuff, in my view, you got to have a conversation. If you're Kingsbury saying, hey, Steve, um, who's our next quarterback? I'm not hitching my saddle to this guy. Well, the problem is they did hitch their saddle to this guy. No. They ran off Josh Rosen, the number 10 overall pick three or four years ago, and went all in. Kingsbury put placed a big bet on Kyler Murray, wanted to coach him, that they went out and got him, got rid of Josh Rosen. And, and so I think Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury – made a huge decision with Kyler Murray. Uh, I do think there's a little little guy syndrome in Kyler Murray. I think his dad, who's a former uh, Texas A&M quarterback and was a baseball prospect as well, I think he's living vicariously through his son. And there, there were, I knew people that were on the Heisman Trophy circuit with and all the football awards, banquet circuits at the end of Kyler's college football career that swore up and down and be like, whoo, you want to talk about helicopter fathers who are a problem. <laughs> it is Kevin Murray. He bat, they said Kevin Murray, bad mouth, the other Heisman Trophy candidates, mm. and any and everybody. And so to, to see that his son likes to point a finger and blame and it's never on him, None of this is surprising. Uh, again, it's like people are making these decisions based off of, and, and they should to some degree, based off of talent and what they think a guy can do on the field. But when you completely ignore obvious red flags that there could be a situation here because the dad's so heavily involved and he's a former high-level college football player, an athlete, he's a high school coach, that's a red flag. And the fact that he's got the baseball option, that's a red flag. I, I don't think Kyler, it, go back to Kyler and Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M, there yeah. were problems there. None of this should be surprising. And that's why th there's so much more to being a successful NFL player, but quarterback in particular, attitude, mindset, Again, take RG3, I'm just telling you, when he came into the league, I was all in on him, and then, but I'll tell you, that rookie year, when he wouldn't come out of that playoff game with Seattle, I immediately started saying, oh, there's a problem here. This guy thinks he's having his Michael Jordan flu game, he compromised the whole team by not coming out of the game, he had leverage over Shanahan, blah, blah, blah. I was like, there's a problem here, it's not the right mindset. And then we went he went on his little comeback tour, coming back from the injury, and he, I can remember he ran out to the field with a, with a flag and planted it midfield, I was like, 
this dude is living in his own world. This is not going to go well. And it didn't. And so as nice a start to his career as Kyler Murray's had, wouldn't shock me if it went up in flames. Well, a couple points. Josh has not been the Rosen one. So let's not, let's not, let's be honest. I was high on Josh Rosen. When I saw him as a freshman at UCLA, I said, that guy's going to be a number one pick. It never happened for him. Game process is way too slow for him. Putting that aside, I mean, what's going to happen next? What was Kyler going to do next? Go all Terrell Owens and start doing sit-ups in his front lawn in front of the media? The other thing is, the one thing about a quarterback, I don't want my quarterbacks at any level, starting with college, being a two-sport athlete. I really don't. Quarterback is that one position. You better be at every drill. You better be at every spring practice. You better be the team leader. You better be the first one, last out, symbolically and literally. And go back to like guys like Drew Henson, who was this mega prospect. And he's the guy that Michigan fans back in 1998 and 99 are saying, you know, this Brady guy, he's kind of limited. Oh, but wait till you see Henson. Here's the problem. Quarterback is such a tough, specialized position you better only play one other sport, and that's called spring football with regular football. I don't want you having any other season. There have been other guys like Brian Jordan of the Braves who had a nice career after quitting the Falcons. But when it comes to quarterback, the only sport you better play is football. I think it's that difficult and that important. And for Kyler Murray to play these games, I, I can't lie. Uh, he's part Korean. He's dead to me. He's dead to me. Now we're looking at each other like it's the 38th parallel. Not happy with them at all. <laughs> at all. All right. Here's the Lombardi tweet. Uh, uh, this is a ransom letter. Don't Ugh. let the fact he has two more years on his current deal affect the story or the fact he has played poorly the last half of the season two years in a row. What makes this worse is they believe this release will garner public support. Joke. <laughs> And Jason, he's not even a top 10 quarterback. That's the thing. Now, if you were elite, you'd be like, oh, we have an issue. There's not an issue. I, I, I just think, all right, you know what? Get out of here. I mean, if he was a top 5 to 10 quarterback, the Cardinals, I think, would have some issues. But again, here's the, here's the problem. You made the playoffs, and I don't know where you get your next quarterback, though, because they do not grow on trees. Yeah, I just think they're so rare, and the guy's so early into his career. I, I, I will say this, like, Joe Burrow mm. has kind of put in perspective Kyler Murray. It's like, yeah, Kyler, that, that's a nice start, but Joe Burrow just took the Cincinnati yeah. Bengals to the Super Bowl. The Cincinnati Bengals yeah. to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and so, you know, in his little ransom letter, as Mike Lombardi describes it, you know, he's talking about they got to get free agents. Uh, you know, we've sent him a, a letter about the kind of contract we want. Oh, hold on. Wait a minute. And yeah. Jason, they got new Hopkins. They picked up James Conner. In the middle of the year, one of their tight ends got hurt. They got a quality guy in Zach Ertz. If this was the old Bidwell Cardinals that were cheap, basically the Mike Brown of the NFC, I'd be like, you know what, maybe you have a point. But I look at the Cardinals now, they spend money, they built the stadium. They're trying to actually win. I, I have no sympathy. I have absolutely no good feelings right now for Kyler Murray. None. All right. Uh you wanted to talk about this. Oh. I was going to ignore <laughs> it. I tweeted too. about it yesterday. 
No, I tweet. I, I got it off my chest yesterday over Twitter. Uh, but the undefeated Ugh. has changed its name to Anscape. It, it it's mm, it's mm, one of the mm. dumbest things I've ever heard or seen. They talked the New York Times into writing a story about it so they could get out in front of just how stupid this name change is. I, I want people to go put and, A-N-D, scape, punch that into Google and yeah. see what comes up. Right. Every lawn care need you're looking for will be met <laughs> when you yeah. punch that into Google. I, I just don't know. Well, I do know what this is about, but I, let, let's hear your take. Jason, when you actually retweeted, I think it was Andrew Marchand, and I said, Anscape? I, I, I said to myself, they are no longer the 72 Dolphins. They're not undefeated. They certainly took a big L here. Um, and <laughs> the problem with Anscape, it sounds too much like that company that has me thinking of my freshly shaved private parts that makes it all smooth. Okay, and then the other thing is, <laughs> if you actually Google in Anscaped or Anscaped, you're right. A lot of people that will mow your lawn and trim your hedges comes up. And I'm thinking to myself, it, it reminded me, the worst name of a product, and this, and this is not their fault. There used to be, and I remember as a kid watching these commercials, there was a diet suppressant pill called AIDS in the 80s, but it was with a Y. And then all of a sudden, the disease comes in, and I'm thinking, yeah you're not going to sell a lot of those. Could you imagine 1983-84 in a grocery store going, excuse me, sir, where do you keep your AIDS? I, I mean, that must have been like really <laughs> awkward. Uh, can we get a price check on AIDS, please? Price check on AIDS? <laughs> but, but that wasn't their fault. These guys actually said, we're going to change it to Anscape. And me and you were joking yesterday. They were better off calling this website Cracker ass cracker, or we hate Whitlock, or, or CB4, <laughs> straight out of low cash, something. This Anscaped, I'm like, that's, I don't even, what is the explanation for this name, Jason? I read it, in, but I love the name Cracker Ass Cracker. Yeah. Uh, that, that would have probably driven some traffic. Uh, <laughs> And so her explanation in the New York Times is, and this is Raina Kelly, uh, Anscape's uh, hard charge uh, editor. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, what, wait, what? Beep out that. <laughs> We're going to beep that out. Uh, <laughs> it's time to talk about black and everything uh, far beyond just sports and athletes. How do you be an individual as a black person in America with your own unique set of interests, some of which are bound together by melanin, but not all of them? And how do you feel whole? We wanted to create a space where black people could be black people, black led, black point of view, absolutely, but also where there, there were no definitions and no rules about what being black meant, what you had to talk about. And so, I'm sure this no rules won't apply to political point of view. Uh, they will keep those rules. But listen, as I tweeted yesterday, this is about uh, the undefeated basically going through a sex change operation. Oh. They're transitioning to womanhood. And you know they had their bats and balls cut off 
and changed the name to Anscape. And so literally the site is now for women and soon over the next or a year from now, people are going to say this is a site for black women and the LGBTQ community. And that that's what this is all. And the whole the undefeated, the sports analogy, all of that doesn't work anymore because it's not a site for that. So, wow. So I, I'm not so sure where, where that leaves ESPNW. And before I get out of here, Jason, I'm going to call you big Andre Waters with that cheap shot you took at me yesterday I, as I exited. So here you go. I, I didn't realize I had to be Lou Gehrig with the fearless streak. One of my AC green. Like, give me a break. Let, let me mix it up once in a while. I, I can't, like, give it a little shine to my show's work. But anyway, anyway, I just want to let you know. But anyway, just go ahead. I don't have landscape. a problem. All right, go Anscape. Thank you go uh, for the fearless the day. <laughs> All right. I'm late to get into Delano. It's time for the show to get smart. We'll, we'll run the dumb, the dummy out off the show. See you, Steve Kim. All right, go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit the notifications button. Hit the subscribe button. Delano Squires. All right, welcome back. Uh, time for the show to get smart and an injection of intelligence. Time for Professor D. Delano Squires, the smartest man on the show. Delano has written a column about uh, the Ukraine and what it says about America and how people are going on TV and, and, and praising the Ukrainians for their patriotism and the masculinity and the courage that they're showing. And these same people never say that about Americans or never promote those values here in America. Now we're being our nation is being completely feminized. And so, but but before we bring Delano, I, Delano makes a great point about how the difference between America, Russia, and China, as it relates to the way they recruit people in the military. Russia, China, lean into uh, masculinity and patriotism and honor and duty. America's been leaning into some woke garbage and about, you know, lesbian women being or women being raised by lesbians. And so it, here's a little compilation just and this is like real stuff. These are commercials that are played in Russia, China, and the United States recruiting for the military. Вчерашний ты. 
Твоя задача выследить врага, догнать его, превзойти, стать лучше, чем он и вернуться назад победителем. Потому что Although I had a fairly typical childhood, took ballet, played violin, I also marched for equality. I like to think I've been defending freedom from an early age. When I was six years old, one of my moms had an accident that left her paralyzed. Doctors said she might never walk again, but she tapped into my family's pride to get back on her feet, eventually standing at the altar to marry my other mom. With such powerful role models, I finished high school at the top of my class and then attended UC Davis, where I joined a sorority full of other strong women. But as graduation approached, I began feeling like I'd been handed so much in life, a sorority girl stereotype. Sure, I'd spent my life around inspiring women, but what had I really achieved on my own? One of my sorority sisters was studying abroad in Italy Another was climbing Mount Everest. I needed my own adventures, my own challenge. And after meeting with an army recruiter, I found it. A way to prove my inner strength. Doesn't that make you ready for war? Doesn't that give you a lot of confidence that if someone invades America, we're prepared? I'm Delano, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm going to hand you the ball and go ahead and <laughs> describe your excellent column uh, this morning. Sure. So, Jason, I think the, the basis of the column is sort of found in those videos that, we, that you showed, and it really comes down to a, a pretty simple fact of life, which is that our culture is not cultivating the types of traits and virtues that would allow us to stand up to an external attack. And in fact, what it's doing is, is it is corroding um, the foundation of our nation from inside. Um, and, and again, just in those, three in those three videos, I mean, you're talking about less than four minutes, you can see how other nations, other uh, uh, countries that wanna be superpowers, that, that want to sort of rule the globe, how they recruit for their militaries, right? They, they push honor and bravery, discipline. You see people blowing up stuff and amphibious landings and guys jumping out of planes and shooting their guns. And here you turn to the American ad and it's all about me and my upbringing, right? And my two moms and we've been marching for freedom. And, and you know, my sorority sisters were going to Italy so I needed my own adventure. So what you end up doing is turning a decision that has you know, basically for the, uh, up until the last 10 years, been one made um, as the ultimate sort of self-sacrifice into sort of a personal vanity project of self-fulfillment. And you see this type of thing all throughout our society. So I, I really want to, to write about that. I, I use some other examples, the N NPR, National Public Radio, their Twitter account, you know, had a, had a thread where they talked about um, you know, the, the war in, in Ukraine and people are going to start hearing stories that can be troubling. Here are, here are five ways to cope. Again, it's always the language of personal therapy. And I, I said in the piece, it's completely on brand for NPR because down to the androgynous person of color in the fetal position, right, trying to ward off anxiety, 
uh, by going out and playing with a puppy and knitting and doing some other stuff. So it's just, I mean, we, we've, we have become over the years a completely narcissistic, self-involved, uh, self-obsessed country that has just become soft. Yolano, I, I, this is, you know, you do a lot of good work. I'm not going to call this your best, but it's, it's in okay. contention because I, I just think it's a really relevant point, and, and I think it's perfectly timed early in this conflict with the Ukraine, and just, it's like the kind of serious questions we should be asking ourselves and asking our countrymen, like, what is it that we're doing? You know, the Soviet, uh, the Russia and, and, and China are, are like really preparing for conflict and an ability to defend themselves and the ability to go out and conquer. Mm. We are uh, sitting out trying to make sure everybody feels good and everybody feels fulfilled. And, and that <clears throat> the, the thing that just struck me is like, joining the military used to be about serving your country. What can mm -hmm. I do for my country? And we have turned it into, what will it do for you? And you know what? If you're looking at your best friend's Facebook page or Instagram, and it looks like she's having fun climbing a mountain, mm. well, I got some pictures you can take over here in the military that'll make your life look just as challenging and just as fun. And, and, and it's like, it's illegal to promote love of country and, and some sort of sacrifice for country. And, and, and I'm just, we're so vulnerable because I do think if we were attacked, what would be our rallying cry? What, what would, right. other than feeling your, defending your own individual space, like the way this country's being run and the way we're being racially divided, oh, I hate this person because they're white, or I hate this person because uh, they're black, or, or, you know, I've been mistreated because I'm LGBTQ and the world didn't revolve around me and I'm trans. I, I just, we've destroyed patriotism or we've allowed it to be destroyed. And I think China and, uh, and Russia are primarily responsible. They're in the ears of our elite and elite institutions and industries. And, and they're just pumping out this message to us that they're not pumping inside their own countries. Correct, and, and this really has been a bipartisan failure. So when, when we're all used to hearing the left talk about, you know, America is irredeemably racist and sexist and homophobic and transphobic and xenophobic and Islamophobic. But when you hear people on the right, voices on the right, take on the, the rhetoric and the worldview of Black Lives Matter, you know, from 2020, you know, through 2021, they're aiding and abetting in the same crime. And then China turns around and tells, you know, when they meet with our Secretary of State and, you know, other, other you know, foreign policy folks, America has no right to criticize anybody else, and certainly not us as China, because you all need Black Lives Matter because, you know, you have your own uh, threats to democracy and, and, and civil rights and so on and so forth. And the Chinese know exactly what they're doing. You, uh, a country and a people that have survived thousands of years as a dynasty across multiple dynasties knows what it is 
to, uh, uh, to build a nation, our country is a lot younger and at this point a lot more fragile. Um, so when you hear people in, in the media, journalists, you know, uphold individuals, for instance, like Colin Kaepernick, whose entire project went from wanting to, you know, bring attention to police brutality, which largely is, is, a, is, is an, an idea that's supported, to then saying the Jul- July 4th holiday, Independence Day, well, that, that's for white folks. That, that's holding up white supremacy. And, and again, you, you saw it. It, it was, a, it was a, a fairly slow turn with Kaepernick. But the people who were behind him knew exactly what they were doing. If your country is irredeemably racist, right, then that means you need um, a new flag, you need a new anthem, you need a new uh, sort of day of independence. So you go from 1776 to 1619, right? There's some people who, for whom, um, you know, they want to replace July 4th with Juneteenth. They want to replace the Star Spangled Banner with uh, Lift Every Voice and Sing. It's not that any of these individual pieces of history are bad in and of themselves. It's how they're being used by people who don't have the wisdom and foresight to understand that if you tell everybody in your country that it's racist and sexist and homophobic, why then would they go and fight for that country when they're being attacked? And Jason, you know know exactly how this would play out. There would be some people, and particularly in the black community, who would say, look, if that attack happened in the heartland, they don't got nothing to do with us. Who, who are we to who are we to criticize whoever the foreign invader is, right? Maybe maybe they they'll bring some measure of equality. Look, look how they treat their people, right? Everybody has food to eat and so on and so on and so forth. And, and I hate to see how how those things have played out in our in our broader culture. So as I said, when you have a narcissistic, self-hating population, and the last piece that I, that I touched on was. Um, the degree to which masculinity has been eroded over the last number of decades. I talked about a uh, evangelical professor who put up, you know, a video of President Zelensky and, and his team saying we're going to stay and fight. And, and she tweeted, "Oh, I, I bet these guys don't spend all day talking about uh, manliness." And it really was a dig for people in that world. It, it was a dig at conservative um, evangelicals, or particularly white conservative evangelical Christian men who do talk about masculinity. Um, and the point I'm making the piece is, well, part of the reason they talk about it is because our country, including within the church, has been undermining masculinity for the better part of the last 50 years and telling men that how we speak and think and communicate is wrong and that we, we would be better men if we dressed like, spoke like, and acted like women. And that's why every day you see a new person, whether it's Harry Styles or Billy Porter or the, the, the one uh, black a- actor, Lakeith Stanfield, who I saw, he was in a picture recently with um, fishnet stockings on and his legs crossed. And when you, when you read the tweets, replies, it's a whole bunch of people saying, yes, queen, and oh, this is, he's really pushing the boundaries. I'm just like, look, how many more guys do we need to see in dresses? We get it, you guys like to dress up, right? Tyler, per- Tyler Perry gave you some cover. Now you think you're being you know, uh, uh, provocative. It'd be much more provocative, Jason, to see a straight man, and particularly a straight black man, dressed in a suit with his with his family, with his wife and his children. That that's it's it's like Jason. I know as a sports guy, you would appreciate this. There was a time when a tatted up basketball player was edgy and pushing the boundaries, right? 
Then it got to the point where so many guys had tattoos that if a guy came out of college with no tats visible, he was edgy and pushing boundaries. And that's that's where we are in terms of, you know, masculinity. It, it's been so attacked. It's been attacked from in the culture, mainstream media, professional sports. I talk about how it's attacked in the home with with wives and, and women who use their, their words, their one tactical advantage in the gender wars to undermine and undercut their husbands and, and the fathers of their children. Um, and, and I said, we've gotten to the point where one generation of women said, I don't, I don't need a man. And then their daughter said, I don't want a man. And now their sons say, I don't want to be a man. And that transition has happened again over the course of, of the last 50 years. And it's left us much, much weaker and vulnerable to outside attack. Delano, the other thing that I would love to see uh, any of the television networks address, whether it be Fox, CNN, MSNBC, love to see Bill Maher discuss it on his HBO show, is that in the Ukraine, I think from age 18 to 55, if you're a man, you're required to stay home and fight. They're mm -hmm. shipping their women out to mm -hmm. safety. And so I, I just want equality and all that stuff just flew out the window when bullets started flying and, mm -hmm. and tanks started rolling and bombs started dropping. And so I, I would, what does that say about, oh, so there is one role specifically mm. designed for men, war. When it becomes a life or death situation, you men handle it. And I got no problem with it, think it's proper. But we can't apply that standard to anything else. We can't say, well, you know what? This is actually a role meant for men, and here's a role meant for women. Anytime we do that anyplace else, we're sexist pigs, and you know, we're the problem with the world and America. But, and, and this is a horrific statement, horrific, and, and I, I don't, but it's almost like if there's one positive that comes from war, mm. it, it does separate the men from the women mm. and, and, and maybe helps put in perspective like, nah, there, there's specific things that we're intended to do, specific roles we're intended to play. Absolutely, and I, and I close the, the, the piece by talking about um, the fog of war, right? That, that term that people use to basically say that war, war is disorienting, it's, it's hard to know whether um, you're, you're, you're up, you're down, what the enemy, the adversary is doing. But for people who are not in the war theater, it's very, very clarifying. And, and this past week has been clarifying because again, you hear people, um, on the, particularly on the left, who typically would use the term nationalism as a pejorative, right? Who typically are against firearms and they think the notion of, of men keeping guns to ward off tyranny is just some sort of uh, you know, war reenactment cosplay, are now seeing why those things are important. And one of the things that, that I, I would certainly say is that uh, outside of hot wars where, where bullets are flying, men have been losing every other type of war, I'd say, again, for the last 60 years. We've lost the gender war, and we're losing the culture wars. 
And when you have men who are too afraid to even correct their teenage daughters in terms of what they're wearing outside the house, and too afraid to speak up for those daughters when they come to them and complain and say, look, Leah Thomas and CeCe Telford are killing the competition in the, in the pool and on the track. And, and when their daughters turn to them and say, dad, can you help me? And he said, well, I don't want to be seen as a bad guy. You know, um, you know uh, uh, trans rights are human rights. And what am I supposed to do? You can't expect these guys to stand up for anything else. So, but, but you, you, hit on, you hit on a perfect point, Jason. Um, women oftentimes talk about, you know, no need for gendered roles per se. But if I was to ever hear something go bump in the night and I turned and looked at my wife and said, well, it's your turn to go downstairs and check it out. She would be on the phone to a divorce lawyer the next morning, <laughs> as she should be, because that's my job, right? <laughs> And, and calling woman, your parents and saying, what did, said, what did y'all do to this boy? What? Exactly. <laughs> Come get exactly. him. Exactly. <laughs> and, and every woman I know is like that. They, they don't like gendered roles. They don't like the notion of women's jobs and men's jobs. But none of them um, want to take on the responsibility of protecting men, nor do they typically like shouldering the financial responsibility of providing for a household when an able-bodied man is there. So they, they reject the notion of patriarchy because in their mind, that speaks to authority. But what the flip side of authority is responsibility. And as I say in the piece, it's sort of like asking for the sun, but only wanting the heat, the light, but not the heat. It's a package deal. So the same guys that you, that you want to, to protect you and provide for you, there are going to be some other things that come there. And, and, and sometimes they may ask something of you. And if your response is, well, that, well that's not my job then don't be surprised when those guys say, well, I guess it's not mine either. And, and that's part of the reason we find ourselves in the place that we do. All that you said, the only thing I want you to reflect on potentially is, I think I have seen more women grow very comfortable being the provider, very mm. comfortable, and, and, and will look for some worthless, shiftless, person willing to stay at home or willing to be provided for because they like that power and control uh, maybe just like men I, I, I would have to say uh, so anyway Delano great job as always uh, it's exactly you, what the show needed an injection of intelligence here at the end uh, so great job all right get your fearless army swag shopblazemedia.com uh, slash fearless Uncle Jimmy, an approval rating segment on Kyler Murray. We must exist in a state of man glorious as we are protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But remember, the mind is the key. The fearless soldier pledges to place God first and foremost in his everyday endeavors of life. We, the fearless army, are one nation under God, indivisible with freedom and a belief in the American dream. The men bold enough to join our movement comprise what we like to call the new dream team. We are leaders of our families, our churches, 
and of this nation. We reject the seeds of division that are planted by corporate media misinformation. We affirm that all men are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights, which are granted by our Heavenly Father. We are bound by honor to accept God's challenge, to take the flag and lead, to cherish, to protect, and to nurture the life of our unborn seed. I am a fearless soldier, so shed no tears for me. I am not a victim. I am the man that God made me to be. Amen. All right, welcome back. Time for the approval uh, rating segment. That means Uncle Jimmy's here. Uh, Jimmy, did, did I tell you, I'm about to throw you a curveball. Did I tell you that uh, at the beginning of the year, I made a bet with a friend of mine here about who could be the first to lose 35 pounds? And we put a substantial financial bet on this. And, uh, my friend called yesterday to tell me he's already dropped 21. Uh, I'm playing catch up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was going somewhere, man. Uh, it's not. I'm trailing. And uh, I'm a little bit nervous. Don't worry about it, man. I'm going to tell you, if the, if the worst case scenario, if it fails, my uncle was about your size, and I promise you, he lost weight like it was nothing. He did it in like a matter of three months. And so you could probably do it too. I'm just gonna say, if you wanna, if you want me to, I'll hook you up with you, <laughs> No, I, I don't even wanna hear the punchline to this joke. I don't wanna hear the punchline to this joke. Don't do it. I just, <laughs> cause it, it's, I, you know, I'm trying to take a very steady, reliable, approach and and it's like I was going great and then I made this bet and then I got Omicron and it threw off my workout routine. Omicron make you lose weight. I, but again it threw off my workout routine. I fell behind workout wise, got sedentary again and and then again when you're uh, isolating you know. It, That's called being single but go ahead. <laughs> That's the word your kids call it now. <laughs> Go ahead. That's good. Uh, but when you're isolated. You when the last time you've been with a woman? Oh, I'm isolated. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. But then you know this as well. You know what becomes your best f friend when you, when you don't leave the house? Why you think my finger falling off? <laughs> Food. <laughs> Food. <laughs> oh God! I didn't. I just caught that joke. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Corey caught it immediately and told on himself. <laughs> you know he ain't. Be, you know he he ain't been around his wife in a while. <laughs> <laughs> that flew over my head at first. Wow. <laughs> you know what? But let me say this, honest to goodness, mm -hmm. and I was gonna say this to you, because some because you you have been. We, we were talking about the weight. And I have to truly compliment you, bro. You've been looking good. I, I, I give you a hard time about it. 
You're looking good. People in the comment section from YouTube were talking about it yesterday. Somebody even made the comment and said that Jason looked like he got the body of a 30-year-old. And I had to respond and say, yeah, he need to hurry him get that shit back because he's stretching it out of shape. <laughs> uh, clearly, that per- whoever put that comment has never seen me shirtless. Come on. Uh, <laughs> uh, what do you think of the show? I love the show. Uh, of course, Delano. I told you. I told you yesterday, people are getting tired of you giving Delano the props. They're tired of you making Delano be the Michael Jackson, giving him all the top songs. You know, they're they getting tired of it. I don't yeah. know if you notice or not, but... Well, you know what I mean? Competitive, yeah. Like I said, Delano came out, he, he did what he did. And, and, and I love what he said, because he made the analogy that said, if we as a people, you know, if our country was being attacked, would, how would we respond? And I didn't think about it until he said it. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you right now, if our country was attacked, Jason... And I'm going to tell you as a man, I would be right behind you. Right behind me, huh? Yeah. <laughs> because I was in the military, and I'm here to tell you, if anybody, if nobody's ever told you this, you are the type that looks like they could take some shrapnel. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm agreeing all the way. Wow. Okay. Now, Steve Kim, here, I, I want to just say this about Steve Kim, man. I think Steve Kim said if he had a player like Kyler Murray, did he, did he say the only sport that boy better play is football? <laughs> no, he didn't. Well, he might as oh, well. Oh. <laughs> First, yeah, he, he said that top prospect of quarterback should Hey, man, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but Steve, that's racist, man. You can't do that. You can't say that. And then he went one step further and just said straight out, he's dead to me. <laughs> what, what, what's next? His father sleeps with the fishes. <laughs> Kyler Murray is a freaking cockroach to me. <laughs> Stop that, Steve Kill. Gotta make him an offer he can't, can't refuse. <laughs> make him go out like big pussy. <laughs> you know, I'm rewatching The Sopranos right now. Any, anyway, that's my but, workout. Show. Listen, but let, let me say this. It's truthfully, honestly, are you gonna tell me that your boy, TJ Moe, the show me bro, you telling me he didn't come out full of fire today? Yeah, he did. I mean, I don't know if you realize. Wait, wait, I don't know if you realize that because I, I was I was keeping notes here. Listen, because you came straight out and, and you said, well, don't you agree with me? And he said, no, absolutely not. <laughs> and if I may say this really quick about what TJ said, I agree with TJ Mo 1000 percent. Truly. And, and the reason I say this is because this is what TJ was saying. Remember, I was at the sheriff's department. And I ran into a problem with the sheriff's department and the sheriff's department told me, they said, hey, we will allow you to resign. We'll let you resign with all your benefits and we'll call it a day. But I told you and I told everybody else I wasn't guilty. I didn't do what I was accused of doing. But I was going to take the resignation just because I could just get out of there. And my mother said to me, said, baby, don't do that. Said they're doing you just like they're doing the inmates. They said, if you didn't do it, then you don't take no plea. You stand there and fight. And that's what TJ's saying, man. Hey, you didn't even give us a chance to fight for you. If you ain't, hey, man, that's one thing we as men need to start doing more of. If you right and you standing on what God put you on, hey, man, stand on that. That's something we lacking as men. Jim, I agree with you, but let's add a little dose of reality to, to your statement. Okay. Having been in the sheriff's department. Yes, sir. How many times have you stood in a courtroom 
and looked at someone who didn't take the plea deal that was offered to them. And then when they dropped them 15 years with an L or uh, 12 to 15 years, blah, 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 and you throw them cuffs on them, <laughs> walk them, and you're like, how many times you said, should have took the plea? <laughs> I understand that, but listen here. I could, Did I could, that not happen? Did you not witness I, I've that? I've seen that, but I'm going to tell you what else, though. <laughs> if you go, if you take it and you go all the way, Hey, you know that's an option. That 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 that's what you might have to do. So if if you go that far, you're gonna have to take it. If you get the L, you get the L. But then that's also the difference because hey, are you standing on faith? Are you doing what you want to do, or are you doing what God told you to do? Uh, some people just want to be in prison as short a time as possible, so they can get back out. Hey, I'm tell you what, man. If I'm standing on right, I'm standing on right, and then wherever I end up, that's where I'm gonna end up because that must be where God want me to be. I'm done. Not a bad philosophy. All right, let's go to Kyler. Let's go, man. Let's get to Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, you know I'm not big on short quarterbacks. Uh, Ooh, let's make it. <laughs> <laughs> just not. Uh, job performance. Uh, they made the playoffs, but got routed in the playoffs. He pulled himself out of that playoff game and then pointed a finger. I'm going to give him a 16 in job performance. I'm going to give him a 21. And I'm going to give him a 21 for the very reason that you just said. Kyler Murray is one of the few people in the NFL who actually looks up to me. <laughs> he's five foot six, I think. They li- I think they say he's five nine, but he looks he looks very tiny out there. Tiny Kyler Murray is what I call him. Uh, character, uh, I don't think his word is reliable. I've never thought he was fully committed to football. I think he's committed to what football can do for him. He will. Uh, he's going to be a problem for the Arizona Cardinals. I give him a 13 in character. Uh, once again, we're going to differ. I'm going to give him a 25, bro. I'm giving him a 25. You like the Minnie Mouse character he's playing bro, with? Bro, let me ask you a question. Did you see what this dude had on draft day when he got drafted? The man wore a pink salmon leisure suit. <laughs> now, what kind of damn character did you think you was going to get? <laughs> hey, you got the skinny. On draft day, what'd you say? Give me the colored kid with the pink suit. <laughs> Come on, man. Let's go. Uh, authenticity. Do you buy he's presenting himself in a, in a real way? <sighs> no, because, you know, I, I, I think he wants to act like he's a team player when, when he's not. And all the evidence says that he's not. And all the rumors and speculation from inside that locker room say that he's not. I'm going to give him a 14 in authenticity. I gave him a 22. Hey, man, the kids had a cup of coffee in the NFL. And he's also been blindsided by a linebacker. So you know what? If you give him a choice right now, as far as he's concerned, he's done with the NFL. He wants to go out and snag a few line drives. Damn getting hit by a line blindbacker, okay? (laughs) Straight up, he's done. All right, uh, it factor. He does, you know, being that undersized and the way he runs and moves around, he's so fast. That is kind of exciting to watch. So that gives him an it factor, I believe. He's got a little charisma to him. I'll give him a 19 in it factor. Plus his head's too big for his body. That, that's always. Uh, <laughs> that's always. Got one of Dennis Evans' heads. <laughs> Dennis just texted me. <laughs> Look, I gave him a 22. Look, man, it's plain and simple, man. I'm, give, I'm, I'm giving Kyler credit because, honestly, man, Kyler done seen how they did Lamar, jo- Lamar Jackson at this stage of his career. See, Lamar set out half his career, like, he set half of last season injured. 
And what did that get him? Nothing. Jason, what is your favorite phrase in life? What have you taught me? Jim, a man's is only as good as his options. Kyler got options, buddy. Everybody can't say that. Hmm. Uh, so, Jim, somehow you have Kyler Murray blazing hot, blazing hot. There's no higher level than blazing hot at a 90. I've got him 62 candlelit. I like the kid. Hey, if you're going to get out, get out. I'm not mad at you. He could be your son. He's tall enough to be your son. <laughs> hey, you know I did have a cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how you got this six-foot-tall son. <laughs> Have we, have we been to AncestryDNATest.com? Hey, man, look, this is not funny, but honestly, I did tell myself, I said, but I'm going to tell you right now, you grow another inch. Don't be mad at your dad when you find him in the bedroom swabbing your mouth. I'm, I'm just saying. Now, you, honestly, now, now, son, you know your mama has some questionable ethics, okay? We're going to end on that. Well, now. let me just put, I'm not, let me just say this, honestly. His mama just had a hard time saying no. <laughs> I have nothing left to say. We'll talk to you tomorrow.